Welcome and thank you for joining us today on Friend of God, brought to you by Friendship Baptist Church in Sturges, Mississippi. It is our goal to take the Word of God to as many people as possible. We pray that you not only enjoy today's message, but more importantly, we hope and pray that it changes your heart and moves all of us to life change and action. God bless and enjoy. So this week we're going to be in uh, Hebrews, and we're going to be looking in Hebrews at chapter 5. I think uh, just accidentally I went ahead because last week we had a speaker, so uh, I'll go back and get the next Hebrews 4 that I missed this week. Anyway, so uh, Hebrews chapter 5, we've been in a, a series called Jesus is Greater. Jesus is greater than, and then we talk about whatever we're going through that week. And so we need that reminder as we are in the month of January, about to be in the month of February. And we need that reminder that he is greater than all the things that we encounter, all the earthly titles, all the, the qualifications that we think he has to have. He is greater. So today we're looking at he is greater than the temple priests. And so if you want to turn to your copy of God's Word, we're in the book of Hebrews chapter 5. So Hebrews chapter 5. And uh, you can follow along in your copy of the Word. So Hebrews chapter 5, we see here, we get an introduction in all of this. We have to understand with Jesus, there was a claim that He was not only holy, but that he was qualified to be priest, that he was qualified in his priesthood. And so we see there's some qualifications of what it means to be a high priest. A high priest is selected from among man, and, and his is also their representative in matters before God. In other words, the high priest brought offerings and sacrifices for sin. A high priest must also be a man of compassion. He dealt gently with others. He must be able to moderate his feelings to prevent cold indifference and uncontrolled sadness. In other words, he must give sympathy. He himself was subject to weakness and prone to failures too. He also would make necessary offerings for his own and people's sins. Christ didn't qualify for this one because he was without sin. So you see that there. The office of high priest was a divine appointment not to be simply entered into as someone wanted that honor. As with Aaron, the high priest must be called by God. So the call of Christ to priesthood, the same one who declared Christ to be God's son, King's son, also declared for him to be a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Psalms 2 proclaimed that Davidic heir who was destined to rule the nations. He was from a priest of special order. So Jesus is uniquely qualified in this way. He is qualified because of his offerings. He gave up prayers and petitions. His suffering, he suffered on the cross and also reverent submission. He suffers in triumph and praises God for it. He's the source of eternal salvation for all. The sacrifice that everyone needed. And he's able to completely save those who come to God through him because he always intercedes from them. But there were many different people in the society that this was being written to that were immature in their faith. Meaning that they should be at a level of depth that they weren't at yet. 
It's, it's likened this way in the scriptures today. It's likened into milk. When you have a young baby, you give them the milk first before you give them the solid foods to make sure that not only are they able to eat it, are they able to chew it up, but they're able to digest it and use it in such a way that it benefits them as they're growing. The same thing with us. We're not supposed to stay on spiritual milk, but we are supposed to be teachers and doers of the word. So the high priest had a great significance. Their great significance was seen during the time of Jesus. It says here in this, in, in, in this particular illustration that in the days of the tabernacle and temple, the Jews had a high priest. The high priest was a human being like themselves and knew the temptations of everyday life. In this way, he was able to be sympathetic to people. Once a year on the Day of Atonement, the high priest offered a sacrifice for his own sins, and he was then allowed through the tabernacle curtain into the most holy place to offer sacrifices behalf, on behalf of everyone. Now Christians have a high priest, Jesus Christ, who has passed through the heavens. He had no sins of his own to make sacrifice for. Instead, he offered himself as the perfect sacrifice for the whole world. Let's look into the scriptures. Hebrews chapter 5, starting at verse 1, says this. For every high priest taken from among man is appointed on behalf of man in things pertaining to God. In order to offer both gifts and sacrifices for sin. He can deal gently with the ignorant and misguided, since he himself is also beset with weakness. And because if he is obligated to offer sacrifices for sins, as for the people, so is he for himself. And no one takes the honor to himself, but receives it when he is called by God, even as Aaron was. So Jesus was more than qualified to be a high priest, according not only to the, the traditions of the culture of, of all of this, but also according to the biblical standard in that. So, but Christ, we know that he was different as God's only begotten Son. Christ was, yes, high priest, which meant He could speak on holy matters, but also He was different than, than those that were just seeking to get a title to be able to have that accolade or to be able to have that prominence. His main objective was not just to become high priest. What was the main objective of Jesus Christ? To become a sacrifice for the sin of humanity once and for all. To be that perfect sacrifice. He wasn't offering a sacrifice. He was the sacrifice. There's a distinct difference because all the other high priests, all the other men that were in that order had to offer either a blood sacrifice or some other sacrifice in order that the atonement would take. Jesus knew that once and for all, He was that sacrifice. He knew what it was like to hurt. He knew what it was like to go through troubles and trials and tribulations. He knew what it was like to be persecuted. He knew what it was like to be us. But yet at the same time, he was so much more than that. So let's look at verses five and six. So also Christ did not glorify himself as to become high priest. But he said, he who said to him, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Just as he says in another passage, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. So not only did he qualify that or quantify that, but he also put him in that perspective, in that right order that he gave himself. He was sent by God to die for us in our place. But one thing we see in this passage is that Jesus learned from his humanity. 
Think about this. He saw us and the difficulties we were going through. He saw death. He saw hurt. He saw tragedy. He saw sin. He saw all of these things. And He experienced mankind in such a raw and real way. And learned from those things. There's a quote that's out there. It says, a person must learn to obey before being qualified to lead. So, Hebrews 5, 7, and 8 says this, In the days of his flesh, he offered up both prayers and supplication with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his piety. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he had suffered. How many of you would even say that the things you've been through have led you more to be more obedient to Christ than you ever would otherwise. Sometimes the trials and the difficulties and the hardships and the things that we don't want, right? The things that we don't ask for, the things that we don't pray for, are the very things that as we go through the trials and as we go through the fire, so to speak, prove to see within us where our faith lies and what we cling to during that time. It's very much so in this passage we see that, that, that Jesus was the one that learned from others which He suffered in all of these things. But Jesus was perfect and Jesus was the means of eternal salvation. We see a lot of things in this life now. A lot of people believe they know a lot of things. And in this life there's, there's something called a Google. Not Google the search engine, but a Google. And no matter, it says this like this way, no matter how large a number is, it's finite. It's always possible to mention a number that is larger. So scientists speak of the term Google. It is one followed by a hundred zeros. Google, the number, is inconceivably large. But when we think of that, we think of the Googleplexus, which we believe is the Google race to the Googleth power. It is said that if this number were written out, there would not be space on earth to contain the pages required. In fact, they would more than fill our galaxy. See, Jesus is greater. He was perfect and He is a means of salvation. And sometimes it feels like it's hard to fathom every aspect of it. And I believe that's where faith comes in, right? I believe that's where faith fits in the situation. Yeah, we see this astronomical way that the world is and the things that are going on in the world. But in this passage, we see in Hebrews 5, 9 and 11, it says, And having been made perfect, he became to all those who obey him the source of eternal salvation. Was it talking about the people that were just present when Jesus died? Or was it talking about all people at all times and all places? It was all people in all times at all places. He is the source of salvation. So he was being designated by God as a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Concerning him, we have much to say, and it's hard to explain since you become dull of hearing. In other words, they knew a lot of things. The audience knew a lot of things that were hearing this, those that this was written to, but yet they were not listening. How many of you have ever tried to explain something to somebody who doesn't listen? Anybody? Anybody try to talk to somebody and you know they're not listening to you when you're, when they're ta you're talking to them, they're not understanding you, they're, it's not getting across, it's those kind of things. But it's in this thing here, it's kind of like, 
Jesus is saying, you've become dull of hearing. You believe you've arrived. You think you know everything. You think you have it all figured out. You think you've got it all done. I even had somebody one time that said that they've studied Scripture all their life. They're good. I'm like, there's still more to be learned. There's still more maturing and growing. I even had people along the way say, I know Jesus, but that's just the beginning point, right? How many of you see runners that line up at a line and they tell them to go or they strike something or shoot something and they just stand there? How many of you think they would win the race that way? Anybody? Anybody logically think that they're just going to stand there? That's kind of how we get sometimes and that's how these people were here. They were kind of just like right there. They were there at the start line. They had not run the race. They had not grown in their faith. They had not matured in their faith. They had not understood the ins and outs of what God was trying to do in their lives as they prayed, as they studied, as they grew, as they spent time on behalf of others. In other words, they had not matured as they ought to spiritually. Hebrews 5.12 says this, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. They were essentially at the beginning of where they should be further along. And some of us would say, well, I should be further along than I am. We should be further along than we are. That's one of those constant things in our lives where we need to learn more grow in Christ more, walk deeper, seek those opportunities to serve, seek those opportunities to teach, seek those opportunities to go and do the things that God has called us to do. Continue to grow and mature in our faith instead of just staying there at the very beginning and not growing or just being fed instead of feeding others. Because sometimes we can do that too. Hebrews 13 and 14 of chapter 5, it says this, for everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature who, who because of practice, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. There's some things, you know, because of our lack of maturity, because of our lack of faith, because of our lack of growth, because of our lack of understanding, that we put ourselves into by the choices that we make because we have not spent time with God Almighty that day or that week. And sometimes we think, well, I went to church on Sunday. Certainly that just kind of covers it, right? Or, or I went to church on Wednesday night and that sometimes covers it is what we think. But we need Scripture. We need growth. We need to seek God. We need prayer. We need power. We need direction every single day. Y'all, we can't make it throughout the week without God. See, what we have on Sundays and Wednesdays, that's like a little supercharge in our lives that gives us the ability to go out and reminds us of what we're supposed to be about. It gives us the hope and the friendships and the family that we need to continue to do what God has called us to do. Well, here's some things we see in this passage we learn from in this chapter. Jesus was more than qualified to be high priest, but he was much more than that simple position. Just when we think that Jesus is this or that, we see that he's much greater than even those things. We like to say, well, Jesus is, and you start listing through parts of the year, the titles of Jesus, 
the, the titles that we give. He's the Messiah. He's Emmanuel. He's, yes, He's all of those things, but there's more to Jesus than just that. There's more to learn than just that. And you could be a student of God's Word for 50 years and still be learning about God in a fresh and a new way if you're still pursuing after Him. Or maybe you've been in the faith for so long, it's easy, it's, a, it's kind of one of those comfortability things, so you don't do things that are outside of your comfort zones. And when challenges come inside your comfort zone, that kind of makes you go kind of haywire because you don't know what to do. But God stretches us and wants us to grow and mature in our faith. So it leads me to ask the question, how many of us are still ingesting milk when we ought to be eating solid foods? How many of us are still at that beginning part of our faith? And we know that we know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, but that's about all we know. Or we know that we know Jesus as Lord and Savior, but we've never served. Or we know that we know and we've never told our story of faith and told how Christ can save others. Or we've never gone or we never served or we've never been on mission or we've never done anything beyond that. And we wonder why we feel stuck in our faith or why we feel far away from God when we have not pursued after that which holds our heart. So spiritual maturity is what this is talking about. Discerning good and evil. You know, we get ourselves in a pickle sometimes, don't we? We get ourselves in a place that we wish we didn't. We get, our play, we get decisions that happen in our lives that we wish we could take back, and it's because we're not spending time with the Lord. Discerning the direction He wants us to go. Discerning the decisions He wants us to make. And not having that maturity affects everything. And we see also in this passage, whereas high priests made offerings for themselves and others, Jesus Himself was the perfect sacrifice needed for sinful humanity. And here's something I really sought after in this. God, what does all of this mean? If this could be summated in one sentence, and it, and it came to me in this way, Jesus alone is what we need. You know, sometimes we think we've got to make it overcomplicated. You know, we've got to say, well, well, I've got to follow everything in the Bible. And you do need to follow the things that the Bible says. But if Jesus is alone what we need, then from that relationship comes understanding of those areas we don't even know and we haven't been able to discern in the Bible. Because sometimes you go through the Bible and you see some of those areas are really deep. Some of those areas are really hard. Some of it's kind of hard to understand, and you need God's revelation to pull back and say, this is what it's really about, and this is where it hits you, and this is what it was speaking about. And so sometimes we need to understand that very much Jesus alone is what we need in this walk. And we need to know His voice, and we need to listen for Him, and we need to pursue Him every day. So I believe every time that the Word of God is read, that it speaks to us in so many different ways. It speaks to us where we are in our faith journey because all of us are in a different place, right? Every one of us could stand up and testify of what we're going through in life or where we've been and tell the story of that. And we'd be at different places, but it's the same God. Different stories, but same God. So what decision are you being made or are you being led to make today? Some of you here today said, I absolutely... Do not know Jesus as Lord and Savior. I've been told about Jesus. I've been in church before. I've 
heard about things on the internet. I've read things in a group. I've done all these other things, but I don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. So Jesus alone, I don't really understand that. It means that you need to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ so that He can redeem and save you. That means you've got to repent and turn from your ways. And Jesus does the heavy lifting. He forgives us of everything. He forgives us and gives us a fresh start, a new beginning in Him that we could not any other way in this world ever achieve, ever fathom, ever understand other than we know that we are in the right place with God and right standing. Yeah, we remember all the things which we did wrong. But for us, it tells us what? Don't go back there, right? Repentance means that we turn from our wicked ways and follow Him. That means that we have the knowledge of what we did, but it does not hold the sting. It does not hold the weight because Jesus has paid the price. And so maybe you're here today and you need to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Maybe, maybe today you're being led to commit to Him to be a more mature and obedient Follower of the faith. Maybe for you it's time to get serious. Instead of saying, I've just got, I, I know Jesus, and, and that's the starting point. Maybe it's time that Jesus gets to know you a little bit deeper and leads you a little bit further in your walk with Him. Maybe He wants to stretch you to do the things that you can't do that He can only do in you. Maybe there are some things that you are good at that God has gifted you that you have yet to even see. Because you're saying, well, I come and do the bare minimum. But what if God wanted to do an abundant type thing in your life? What if God was just sitting there saying, I've got something greater for you if you'll submit to me and you'll give everything to me. See, there's for many of us, there's a need to confess sin and let Jesus handle everything. Complete submission. How many of us know what that means? That means for us, complete submission means that we raise a white flag in our lives and said, I can't do a single thing by myself. I need Jesus. I can't do things on my own. I need you, God. I can't do the things that are being asked of me. I can't do the things that you're leading me to do. I need to submit to you. In other words, I can't, but you can. So complete submission is confessing that sin and letting Jesus handle everything. Maybe even in today, you're being called to go through baptism. Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time and you've never been through the practice of baptism. And maybe that's something that is left open-ended in your relationship with God. Maybe you don't fully embrace or understand the witness that you are to have. But I'm telling you, believer's baptism does not save you, but what it does is it starts that journey in the right way in the sharing of your faith, in the uniting of the fellowship, and knowing what He has for you. And lastly, maybe you're here today and you would like to unite with Friendship Baptist Church and be a part of all good things that God is doing here. So I invite you here this morning. In this moment of invitation, as Jeremy comes and as we have music playing, I invite you to do what God is calling you to do. To make the decision that God is calling you to make. To listen to that still small voice that's speaking to you here and now. You know, we think that the world is very loud. But we must spend time at the feet of the Father every day to hear the still small voice. Even in the loud room. And know that He is calling us. What is He calling you to do?
Join me in standing as I pray. Father God, we come at this time. God, we ask for your leadership. God, we ask for those gathered here to search their hearts and minds. God, to know that they know that you are Lord and Savior of their life. And if not, God, on today, God, just give them the courage to step out in faith and trust in you. To ask for forgiveness, knowing that you'll give it. To start fresh and new and whole again. Knowing that you are greater than any earthly priest. You're greater than anything that we face. You're greater than temptation. You're greater than addiction. You're greater than bad relationships. You're greater than all of these things, God. You're just greater. And just when we think we've got it figured out, all that you do, God, you're greater even still. So God, I just thank you for never, ever giving up on us. For reminding us that we can always come to you in your presence, God, and be forgiven. Father God, there's so many things you want to do in and through our lives and the gifts you've given us. God, I pray even today you might call some of us to say yes to you in the areas of life we haven't entrusted to you. God, I just pray today, whatever you've called us to, however you're even pulling us even now, God, I pray that we listen. And it's for your name's sake that we pray. Thank you for joining the Friendship Family today. Your time is your most valuable commodity, and we are enormously grateful that you chose to share some of it with us. If you would like to know more about Friendship Baptist Church, please visit our website, friendshipsturges.com, or our Facebook page. Both links can be found in the show notes below. Although we would greatly appreciate you leaving this podcast a rating or review, we would be eternally grateful if you would be willing to share it with someone else. We pray you have a God-filled day, and please remember, love God, love people, and reach the world.